Hi, everyone. Welcome to another Fiber Day Exchange podcast. I'm your humble host, Jesse Johnstone. In a podcast role reversal, I was put in the hot seat for this one and was interviewed by Marianne O'Connell in her podcast series called What's Your Effing Business? A podcast about franchising. We talked about Fiverr News history, culture, operations, and a whole lot more. You can find Marianne at franwise.net. We're at fiverrnew.com and, of course, on all the socials. We hope you enjoyed listening in on this conversation. Take good care and cheers. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of What's Your Effing Business? podcast about franchising. And this season, we are talking about those brands that have harnessed what I think is the ultimate tool for success, which is franchisee satisfaction. And these are all brands who are measuring it using the Franchise Business Reviews Franchisee Satisfaction Survey. And today, we have Canada back in the house, and we are talking to Jesse Johnstone from Fibernew. Welcome, Jesse. Thanks a lot, Marianne. Good to be here. Thanks. Um, and if you hear us laughing a little bit, I've got to admit, I'm sorry, I, I can't, I forgot to hit record before. So we're doing this for a second time. <laughs> we're all good. We're warmed up. It's okay. Great. So um, I think a lot of people may not be familiar with Fiber News. So can you tell us about the business, how it got started, how many units, what you're all about? You bet. What we do in a nutshell, Marianne, is restoration of leather, plastic, and vinyl wherever it's found. We're mobile. Uh, we are operating out of a van or a truck and going to wherever work needs to be done. And the work we do specifically is on couches. So things like pet damage on a sofa or a chair will go right into the customer's home and try to restore that damage right on the piece. Or we do a lot of work in automotive, whether it's a damaged steering wheel or a cracked dashboard or maybe a cracked plastic door panel. We'll, again, go to the customer right in their driveway, or maybe it's a car dealer. We do a lot of work for car dealers as well. Go right on site, do the work right there, be as efficient as possible. We do a lot of work in marine, in aviation. We're doing more and more work in restaurants. And a lot of work in medical as well. Uh, that's been a huge growth area for us. And again, it's all about saving the, the customer time, money, and hassle, making it as cost efficient as possible, making it as efficient um, on uh, the time side of things and making scheduling as easy as possible. And then an extra added benefit, Marianne, is it saves a ton of stuff from ending up in landfills. So there's a, there's a green aspect to what we do as well on the environmental side, which a lot of consumers appreciate and we like being a part of. I was, it's funny you should say that. I literally, my brain was going, wow, the sustainability part of this is huge. Um, I I have to tell my story when Jesse and I were having conversations to set up for this one. I had to admit that I have two cats that had destroyed two leather chairs that I was very fond of, and I was pretty sure they were toast. And nope. I got put in touch with a local franchisee, and in two and a half hours, my chairs looked absolutely new. The color, the finish, it's it was, I do call them my miracle chairs. <laughs> They're also sitting in the garage, so the cats can't get anywhere near them now. <laughs> okay. But um, thank you for that. And I, I think that uh, it's a brand that we, we need to get more word out, so let's do it this way. Um. You scored very highly on the um, franchisee satisfaction survey, and it seems that most of the people that are the top performers, and your brand being one, 
do extraordinarily well with culture. Mm-hmm. So can you tell me about, because culture was also culture and leadership. So if you can talk about that, what is it you're doing that is getting the franchisees so enthusiastic? Well, we do have a, an emphasis on enjoying the process of business ownership and having fun with it. And I think that that contributes to the satisfaction of a lot of our owners. And um, we also, from our level at head office, just always operate from a standpoint of integrity. We, we always do the right thing and make the right decisions by way of our franchise owners and the business at large. So I think just when you operate with integrity and um, the fun aspect, and we just have a lot of enthusiasm for what we do. So you add those three up, Marianne, I think it's just a good recipe for a lot of happy people in the business and really a contributing factor to the basis of our culture. So you're trying to maintain, I mean, you obviously are maintaining this culture, but you're spread out over the globe. So how do you do that when some of your franchises are so far flung? It becomes a bit of a, a juggling act sometimes with with company wide meetings or company wide events, but um, we we make it work. Um, you know, traditionally it, it did involve some travel, so we've got a handful of franchisees in New Zealand, which is in a completely different time zone and part of the world from us in North America, and then we have franchise uh, in in Mexico, pardon me, in Chile, and then also in Saudi Arabia. So lots of different slices of time zones across the earth, but we've been utilizing technology more and more, utilizing, just as you and I are doing right now, uh, gathering around the old screen and, and doing uh, some screen-based conversations. So utilizing Zoom for training and for support is really the long and the short of how we've been able to, to make it work. Are you doing those sessions live or are they recorded? We always do them live and then record them and archive them in our system for, for later playback. So last week, for instance, we had our first seminar of the year, and we had owners um, from Chile, from all across the U.S. and Canada join that one. We're doing another one in May where everyone from New Zealand is hopping on. Another one in September where the guys in Saudi Arabia will hop on, and then we kind of make time zone adjustments to make it work for them. And uh, it works great because we're able to show the new techniques that we've developed or the new products that we've worked on, talk shop, and then just answer questions live. So try to make it conversation-based and, and uh, you know, just keep that, that connection and that sense of community going as best we can. Just so happens to be so through that- screen. <laughs> hey, um, we've learned, I mean, I know that whenever I'm trying to do something around the house, I used to go to YouTube videos. So it's not that big leap. Are you actually doing new franchisee onboard training with this also? We are currently. So a year ago when the pandemic turned on or flipped on and travel was not an option, we had people signed up for training. They had signed their contracts and and paid their money and were committed to us. So we had to figure out a way to make that work. And we had always done for years and years and years, hands-on training, meaning people would fly to Calgary to our head office at our training center. It didn't matter if you're from New Zealand or Chile or the US or Canada, everybody flew into Calgary and we would do a two week hands-on training course. So we had to figure out how to teach the same stuff 
have the same curriculum and all the same techniques, but just do it through cameras and screens. So we invested in some equipment and rigged up our training center in order to do it properly and just went for it. So last May was our first virtual training class. And there were a few hiccups. It wasn't perfect, but the point was delivered. The point got across to the three individuals who trained with us and they were able to go out the week following training and start their business. So that gave a gave a proof of concept that we had something that could work. And so we did it again in July and August and September and then January and March and April. And then we're just about to do it again in a couple of weeks um, this year. So it, it's working and we're happy with it. Uh, it is still a bit of a stopgap, Marianne. We, we do want to get back to hands-on training at our training center when it makes sense and it's, you know, um, safe and all that kind of stuff. But for the moment, it's working and, um, you know, we, we've made the best of it. And you can um, do refresher training and stuff going forward with the same model, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We now have weekly huddle calls. So there are many workshops every single Wednesday morning that anybody in the company can log on and, and be a part of. And that's part of that refresher content that, again, is live. It's recorded and it becomes part of the video library afterwards. But um, it, it's been a one of those bright spots of the pandemic that that we have to realize that, hey, we probably wouldn't have accelerated our technology and virtual training to the point that we're at now. We hadn't gone through what we've just gone through. So you, you find the bright spots and roll with them. And, and this is definitely one of them. Yeah, it's um, there's been a lot of innovation that's come out of this. And I think some of the the golden rules we thought that, you know, you, you couldn't successfully do new franchisee training if they weren't coming in because you wouldn't get the culture, you wouldn't get the, the personal connections either with your fellow classmates or with your staff. But we, it's, it's been going on. It's been going on successfully. Brands keep growing. So we might have to take a whole new look at what franchising can do as we go forward. So let's go to the franchisee satisfaction survey. How long has Fibernew been using it? I believe this year was our sixth go-round with FBR. What what enticed you in the first place? Were you trying to solve a specific problem or just get an overall read of what was going on? To start out with, it was the overall read. We just wanted feedback from our franchisees on areas that we needed to pay attention to that we maybe didn't realize uh, from their perspective. So we talk to our owners all the time and we have a, um, a pretty good idea of how we're doing with them, but we wanted to exchange that pretty good idea to a crystal clear idea. And that's really what FBR is good at is getting to the detailed level of feedback and uh, whether it's anonymous feedback or if people attach their name to it, it gave us just a, a plethora of information to take back into the office and, and sort through and, and figure out some new planning for the year ahead. So it's it's proven very valuable to our business. So if you find something that's concerning or something that is indicating a change is needed, is that something you're doing internally or are you also involving your franchisee community either as a whole or through an advisory council so that they know you're listening mm -hmm. to the feedback they're giving you? 
bit of both, Marianne. So we always, um, we have our core support team that is, I guess, the front line for some of this feedback. And we put it through their filters first uh, in an advisory role um, because they're active franchise owners themselves. They, they probably contributed to the survey themselves. So we have a, a kind of a, a, a through line right to some of that feedback. Um, listen again even further get everything out on the table and then make some decisions from there. Some of it is very clear cut and we know that we need to make some changes and there's really not further investigation required. So it just depends on, on what it is specifically, but I just, I can't speak to the, the value of, of this information. I mean, it's just, it's, it, it's changed the course of our business and making sure that we're on track. That's amazing. How, how has that done that? First of all, were you expecting that when you started? And how do you, how has that done just by making small changes? Or was this a big overall eye opener in the beginning? Um, it was a, a bit of an eye opener. I wouldn't call it a, like a huge, you know, changing moment. But what we've done over the past six years is just gradual change. Just, just keep constant improvement going on based on some of the feedback. And that's always the best way. Uh, we feel we had a, a really solid franchise concept. It always needs improvement. Every business needs improvement. And so our approach was just make those small changes over time. And it just year after year after year, everything gets better and more efficient and better for a franchise owner. So um, that, that's the approach that we've taken and it's worked. Was it hard to get people enticed to do it and to sustain it? Because I'm curious in the beginning, yes, I, I want to pour my heart out. No one's asked me before. I'm <laughs> going to tell you everything I know. But then yeah. as they're seeing that, yes, you react and it's positive, do some people fall off? Or do you have you kept a, kept or grown your participation levels? I believe, I'm, I'm going off the top of my head, but I believe we've been about 80% participation across all the years, wow. which is pretty good. And that's, I mean, as you know, it's it's volunteer basis to spend the time to fill out the survey. So, yeah, we, we've been pretty lucky with with that. And I think that just kind of shows the level of engagement of our owners as well, is that they want to be part of the process, and this is how they can do that. That's telling me that it doesn't matter how far afield everybody is geographically. You are holding a cohesive unit together. That's impressive. So you're using it internally to monitor things you have to change. Um, there are things about profitability. They look at your tech and your training. They look at your marketing. But are you using this as a development tool? Because to me, it's a very strong one. It is. The offshoot of the information is that we can show it to potential franchisees as a validation tool and give them a glimpse into the satisfaction of our franchise owners before they even start talking to them. So part of the process with us is a is an emphasis on validation calls, where we want potential franchise owners looking at us to phone anybody in the company. We want them to talk to at least seven to 10 owners, but they're encouraged to um, phone as many as they have time for, essentially. But they can look at this information and understand what they're walking into when they start making these calls. And we've actually heard from a lot of people after they come on board 
you know, the conversations I had with your owners correlate directly to what we saw in, in the uh, FBR results. So you're not, you're not stretching anything here that it, it holds up. It's true. So it gives them a bit of a primer, Marianne, in terms of, you know, who we are, our culture, and then the satisfaction of our satisfaction level of our owners. So I heard two things I like in there. First of all, requiring that they're talking to seven to 10 people. I remember there was a brief moment when I was in franchise development, didn't like it, got out, but um, where if people came back to us and they had not called people and or they had not come up with like 10 or 15 questions, challenging things in the FDD, we know they hadn't done the homework and we'd kick them back and say either you're out or you've got to go do the homework. So congratulations on that. But I also love the idea that, yeah, it lines up with, you know, you're not exaggerating (laughs) anything. It lined up. That's kind of like a type uh, piece. And also that that let's say the 20% that don't participate or the ones that may not have been thrilled with you, that's okay too, right? I mean, that people don't hear 100% that you're wonderful and everything. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's what everyone would like to achieve, but uh, it's, it's hard to make everybody right to the 100% mark happy. And, and we do our best. I mean, we've got... I think it was 90% of owners recommend the business to others. And so that means that, you know, they can speak to confidence about their experience and are willing to, to pass that, uh, that check mark off. And so we, the, the, the 10% or so Marianne, we, we do our best that that's left lingering and we always coach and, and guide and, and support, but, uh, Hey, hundred percent is hard sometimes. <laughs> and this is, this hey. is one example. If I were calling and a hundred percent of the people said nothing but magnificent things, it I wouldn't. Sounds fishy. You. Exactly. It's it's just Seriously. like Google reviews. We when we look at Google reviews for a product, <laughs> we search for the bad ones, don't we? Because we want. I thought I was the only one. I go to the bad yeah. ones first, work yeah. my way up the chain. That's right. Um, <laughs> so now that you've been in it a few years, so I asked about what was your goal when you first started in doing this, but now that you have been in it for a while. Do you have particular internal, not stated to the franchisees goals of, I want to see, you know, like, okay, we've just done all this virtual training. I want to see what they say about the tech and the training this time. Or we put a massive marketing campaign together. How did that score? Are you actually setting benchmarks for yourself for the results that come back? It may sound crazy, but no, we, we don't say we want to take training from X to Z. Uh, we just, we want to make sure that we're just getting better all the time. So if it goes up a percentage point or it goes up two points in a year or three or five, great. We just want to make sure it's going in the right direction. And so that that's the only benchmarking we do is that we're not going backwards. The benchmark always has to be forward. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you, you talked earlier about, um, well, first of all, the, the people are generally happy in what you're bringing to them. But in our previous conversation, you had mentioned that a big part of this is that people are spending more time with family, more. I mean, it, it is not always the dollar amount that franchisees need to be satisfied. It really is a life 
style. Do you work to build that into what the Fiber New experience is for the franchisees? We do. It, it becomes part of what a lot of owners are actually looking for when they come to us, because we have a lot of people who come from a corporate background or whatever it is, sales, manufacturing, some sort of professional ilk to what they were doing before, where they're working long hours, they're at, at uh, someone's beck and call. And so when they look to us, they want to leave that in in the past. And with us, there's no set open and closed times. Because we don't have brick and mortar, we don't have a, a door on the street level that has to open every day. Because we're mobile, we set when we want to start working in, in the morning and when we want to end in the afternoon. Or maybe poke out a hole throughout the schedule in the day to go to a soccer game or go to a school recital or whatever it may be, whatever family commitment there is. So we love when we hear that feedback that I can't believe the difference it's had positively on my family. I was talking to an owner a few weeks ago who admitted that he's down 50 pounds and his doctor has taken him off all the medications he had been on before because of the lifestyle change, because he's up, he's moving, he's happier, he's under less stress, he's eating better. I I mean, we love stories like that. How cool is that? I think that's one of the nicest things I've heard in all these interviews. That is, that's pretty amazing that I think that's part of the thing that people sometimes miss in franchising. Um, Michael Arrowsmith from Pinch a Penny said it, that you owe your franchisees to take care of this part of their life because they've invested in you. And I think sometimes we forget the impact we make on each individual who gets involved with the system. So I, I love, love hearing about that. I want to verge off a little bit. So we had this pandemic going on. How did you work with your franchisees to get through going into people's homes to do repairs during this pandemic? That was a very interesting exercise, and it, it's a playbook that no one had written previously. So there was a lot of figuring it out, to be truthful, as we went. But the thing we discovered is that every jurisdiction had a slightly different take on what could be done and what couldn't be done. And so we're in a position as a franchisor with the way that we're set up. All of our uh, franchisees are independent businesses, and so we couldn't dictate uh, sorry, dictate to them specifically what they could and couldn't do. Our best approach was just to encourage them to follow local jurisdiction mandates and guidelines and be safe while you're doing it. And we had some franchisees who were not wanting to go into homes at all for a few weeks. They just completely shut down to let the the dust settle. And that was fine. We had some franchise owners who figured out right away the concept of of contactless service and curbside pickup and doing whatever they had to do to continue work. So it was was an interesting exercise, Marianne, because we saw varying degrees across the country what was happening, varying degrees amongst our franchise owners what was happening. But across the board, we were able to keep going as a business. And in a lot of areas, because automotive, it was deemed an essential service. We do a lot of work in the automotive space. We're able to keep working there. Um, With retail closed down, furniture stores closed down, 
nobody was interested in being in in a boat or you know a restaurant at that time so that work dried up but we eventually found our way through it all and um and made it work so we learned a lot of valuable lessons as, as most businesses did and uh and you know here we are on the almost the other side of it <laughs> we think we still have some lingering effects of it but uh you know things are looking up and brighter I so hope so. And and you and yeah. I are talking from two. Canada was very restricted. I'm in California. We were very restricted. I yeah. am ready to bust out. <laughs> it, it's been enough. You're not alone. You're not um, alone. <laughs> in general, what would you say, uh, survey aside, what has, because you, you started in, the brand started in 1985? Correct. You said? Mm-hmm. So there aren't a lot of brands around these days that can say they have been around for this long. Um, what do you honestly think is the key to the enduring success you've had as a franchisor? Great question. I think a lot of that has to be attributed back to our CEO, Michael Wilson, and just his perseverance in you, you just keep going no matter what. I mean, Fiberney has been through every twist and turn of the economy, uh, every twist and turn of what's going on in society. Um, and we found a way to keep going no matter what. And we've actually grown every single year, no matter what as well. And so I think that just really speaks to perseverance and not quitting. And that really trickles down to our owners as well. The, first few months of starting any franchise, we're not alone in this, it can be tough. I mean, you have to really, really work it. And sometimes you realize success within a couple of months. Sometimes it takes eight or 10 months. And so if you can really cut your teeth and do it right, that will set you up for success. And that just, again, boils down to perseverance. You got to keep moving. You got to keep going forward with uh, positivity. And I think that's another one. It's just find the positive always, you know, don't, don't get sucked into the, the negative headspace. Uh, there, there's, there's positive in every situation. If you look deep enough and, uh, react accordingly to what happens to you. And that's the other thing is, is, um, you know, you, you got to make the right choices and, and, uh, and, and don't get, don't get sucked into the downward spiral. So positivity, and perseverance to answer your question, I think are the, the, the two uh, takeaways. What I like about your answer, well, everything, but what, what resonates with me is reminding our listeners, franchising, franchisors have done a great job with embracing technology, using it to make some things more efficient, expanding the reach as you're doing globally. But this is a people business and you have to be attuned, not only to what the people are doing well and who's coming into the system, but being very aware of the things that can grind on them and having that message to keep them going. So my big applause on that one to you. We're going to reopen. What's the biggest challenge that's going to face Fiber New now? Wow. Well, the... A- economy is always one that's that's ringing in the back of our heads because we found that we do very well in downward economic times because people would rather restore pieces that they already have versus replace them. 
And so as the economy heats up, as it is now, there's always this question, okay, are, are people going to turn to us <laughs> as, as they were when, when things were, were not as hot? But that is part of the reason that we've decided to diversify as much as possible across so many different markets. So for instance, um, even seasonal fluctuations with not being able to do as much automotive in colder climates means that we can do more residential through the winter months. Or when boats are out and being used, obviously, uh, there's more of a call to us to service them, not so much in the winter. Um, Restaurants go through slight seasonal fluctuations. They've gone through a lot of fluctuation recently, but we've been able to adapt. So to answer your question, Marianne, I think it's the biggest challenge is just always looking to the ebbs and flows of what's going on with the economy, what's going on with society, um, what's going on with specific markets, consumer sentiment, consumer spending habits, uh, government spending habits, because we, we do a lot of government work as well, and how all of those kind of intersect and interweave and just make a solid business in the end. That's the thing that probably consumes a, a lot of thought cycles in terms of how to make it all work. But that's uh, challenges are good, right? I mean, that, that's what keeps us on our toes. So we're up for it. What a lovely problem. We have too many opportunities. Um, so I, I want to thank you for, for your time and everything you've shared with us. It's just so refreshing to hear people that are putting their franchisees first is really what, I mean, everything you're doing is built around the franchisees and the profit seems to follow ba- rather than let's build everything around the profit and hope we get the right people we can drag forward. So I, um, I love that. And I'm a good part of this podcast is all about ethical franchising and I like the ethics that I'm hearing. Um, I hope more people get to be aware of and use Fiber New. Again, I'm, I'll sit here as your endorsement. But um, I mean, as you're talking, I, I went restaurants. Of course, they're about to reopen. Why aren't they all getting those booths patched up? Because I know when we write manuals, that's one of the things. They can't have any cracks in the leather in their booths. Yep. Um, so that would be great. And And the government work was the one that I just kind of went, well, of course, they're not going to be disposing of things as quickly as the average consumer is. So this is great stuff. If anybody would like more information about Fiber New or to continue the conversation with you, how can they reach you? The best place is our website, FiberNew.com. So if you're interested in service, go to the locations page and you can just punch in a zip code and we'll filter you down to your closest technician. If you'd like to know uh, information about our franchise, there's also a franchise section on the site. And it's loaded full of information if you want to do some self-discovery just to learn about the the concept on your own. But we're always open to hearing from uh, potential franchise owners. There's a, a chat bubble in the franchising section. You can reach out to our team there and do some live chat um, or just, you know, traditional form, uh, s- send in that request information and, and we'll get back to you. So um, social as well, Marianne, we're, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and you can start the conversation there. We just... We'd like to hear from you. There's no pressure. You know, we can answer questions and and uh, see what you think about the business. And and we'd just like to know more about you. So um, does that make sense? I hope I answered that. That sure does. Okay. I'm going to help. I'm going to help the American listening audience here. Fiber is spelled F-I-B-R-E. 
N-E-W. So, um, well, you know, we, we speak the same, what is it? We're, um, oh, I'm going to get the adage wrong, but we both speak English, but it's a different language between the countries. <laughs> Sometimes. So, <laughs> so just put the R-E, not E-R, folks, and you will find them. And if you have a story you would like to tell about your brand, or there's a brand you want to hear more about, please reach out to us at info at franwise.net. And don't forget, if you're enjoying this, to like it, share it, add a comment. Uh, you'll keep us around for a lot longer. Jesse, I want to thank you very much for your time and your candor. And I hope to see you at the next time we have a live meeting. Likewise, Marion. Thanks very much. This has been fun. Appreciate it. Thanks. What's Your Effing Business is created by O'Connell and Company, Inc. and Franwise. It is written and directed by Marianne O'Connell. Technical mastering by Ryan Cleary. Our theme music was written and performed by Sean J. O'Connell and Leviathan Brothers and is available on Spotify. All rights to this podcast and music are reserved. <laughs>